Hello, and welcome to How She Does It. My name is Stacey Pezzold. I'm a 44-year-old retired chief operating officer of a publicly traded technology company. I started my career 20 years prior as a single mom living in a trailer in Beggs, Oklahoma. People often ask me, how do you do that? This podcast is designed to answer that very question. Hello, and welcome to the How She Does It podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Pezzold, and I'm really excited to be here with you today. I'm going to be sharing my personal story, my background, um, really my journey through uh, corporate America and entrepreneurship, sales, operations, and all of it. I think the thing that we often forget as women um, is the beginning stories, where people started. And I know a lot of the women that I look up to, um, I see them today. I think of Sarah Blakely uh, and the founder of Spanx. And she's someone that I follow on Instagram and her life looks amazing and she's amazing and she's all these things. But what I really appreciate uh, is understanding where she started and where it all began. And so the purpose of this episode is to share that with you. Some of you know my story, some of you do not, um, but I'd like to take it back to the beginning um, and really where my journey began. Um, A little bit about kind of how I grew up or young Stacy, as I like to think of her, um, is that I always grew up dreaming of being a businesswoman. That's what I wanted. I grew up uh, one of eight children um, with a very entrepreneurial dad, um, five brothers who are all entrepreneurs, two sisters who are kick-ass, by the way, um, and also entrepreneurial in nature. Um, And that's just how we were raised. My dad was a businessman, everything from commercial real estate to oil and gas uh, to video and rent-to-own stores, which I've got multiple stories about. But we were just really raised um, to work um, and to make money. And that was what my dad valued. He himself um, only had a ninth grade education. and he just kind of, you know, taught us from the school of hard knocks, if you will. And so he was my hero. He was the person that I looked up to and aspired to be just like. And so growing up, I loved nothing more than one-on-one time with my dad, obviously being one of eight kids and a middle child. Um, I yearned for that. And when he and I got together, that's what we talked about. We talked about business. We talked about how to make money. We talked about how to close deals. Um, And surprisingly enough, another big thing we talked about was just confidence, um, which this whole podcast is going to be about for you. And we'll get into that too. Um, But yeah, so that was kind of my vision for my life. I wanted to be just a badass businesswoman working in New York or Chicago. And so for my 18th birthday, in fact, that's exactly where my dad took me was to New York City. And my request is that I didn't want to go on the weekend. I wanted to go during the week because the thing I really wanted to see was the business people just, you know, looking important in their business suits, briefcased in hand, just walking from meeting to meeting, doing important things, being important people. Um, the details of, you know, what exactly I was going to do skill wise seemed like something I would figure out later. But I knew I wanted to be that woman. And so that's kind of how I grew up. That's what I had decided I wanted to be. Um, You know, of course, I wanted to be married and have kids. But for me in my life, that was going to be later on. I had to do this other big thing first. Um, So I, you know, grew up being a cheerleader. I got involved. Actually, one of the best things that ever happened to me is my senior year. I didn't make the varsity squad um, because I couldn't do all the tumbling that was required. And having been a cheerleader all my life, I was absolutely devastated. Everyone else in my family was athletically inclined and cheerleading was my thing. It was my only thing. So to feel like I had failed at it was just 
embarrassing and humiliated, humiliating, um, but it turned out to be a huge gift because I joined what I perceived to be this dorky business club at the time called DECA. Um, but it was awesome. It got me involved in business and I competed um, doing these competitions where we would role play and come up with business plans. And I won first place in state and then went on to win first place in the nation competing against 11,000 other um, like-minded individuals. And it just really made me feel like I had found my thing. Business was my thing, which was super cool. Um, and so when I went to college, that was my focus. I wanted to get in and out in four years. And I was ready to get out into the world, start making money, start being the woman, um, you know, that I knew I could become a woman that would make my, you know, my, my hero and my entrepreneurial dad proud. So that's what I was after. Um, after graduating college, I was off to Dallas. That was as close as I could get to my big city dream. Um, but it was something. It was a step away from Oklahoma and a future that I was really excited about. And I had just put a down payment on my first apartment. I had just started um, my first job at an aviation recruiting school. Or not, it wasn't even a school. It was um, more like a headhunter, I think. I wasn't exactly sure. I wasn't there for very long. But a couple weeks into the job, I started feeling awful. I was on my first ride along with my manager and I just started having these terrible stomach pains and I knew something was very, very wrong. I got rushed to the emergency room and as they were running diagnostics on me, um, I got the news of a lifetime. Uh, a nurse walked in and asked me, did you know that you were pregnant? And I did not. Um, I had no idea. And as you can imagine, as a 21-year-old young girl, I was scared out of my mind. I had just begun to start living the life that I had always dreamed of. And here was this major, major roadblock. I made the decision that I was going to have this baby and that I was going to move back home. My sister, my older sister at the time, um, was also pregnant. My mom and my family were super supportive, um, but I was going to move back home. But it was also devastating to me because as my friends were going out um, and living their, you know, post-college dreams of, you know, living in Dallas or Chicago or wherever it might be, um, I kind of felt like I had to move back home with my tail tucked between my legs and was embarrassed, um, held a lot of shame. And quite frankly, I was pissed. I was pissed that this had happened, that this had happened to me, um, and that I felt like I was really going backwards in my life. And so I had a really rough nine months. I mean, I had a lot of time to really be angry um, and to reflect and to think about, you know, what the hell I was going to do to get myself out of this situation. Um, on top of that, to kind of take you back, um, I was pregnant during 9-11. So the job market um, for college grads with zero experience um, was extremely limited. Uh, my background was public relations and journalism. Um, and the salary for those weren't, in Oklahoma anyway, there weren't a ton of public relations job opportunities, nor was the salary such that I felt like I could afford to support myself um, and my young baby. So. Um, I was kind of, and, and I was trying to find a job while pregnant. Um, so you can imagine what that looks like. Um, so I really struggled. I um, 
took the first, really the first job offer that was offered to me, which was um, working at Spartan School of Aeronautics as an aviation recruiter. Um, I worked in downtown Tulsa. Actually, it was like Pine and Elm. You're probably not familiar with Tulsa. But all that to be said, um, I hated it. It was miserable. I um, was recruiting for flight school post 9-11. So was an extremely lucrative position, but I had no choice. I mean, I needed health care. I needed an income. Um, and I think I mentioned, but I was living in a double wide trailer in Beggs, Oklahoma, um, with my young son and my mom and my young siblings. So, I mean, it was really honestly a low point in my life. And the only thing that I really knew is that I have to get out of here. And I didn't know how or why or what I was going to do. I was, to be honest, just grabbing at straws at that time. Um, But fast forward to um, the day I had my son. I think I skipped past that part. Um, But basically when I was pregnant, it was, I was just, I had nine months to feel sorry for myself. But the day that my son was born, Um, my whole world came into alignment. I mean, everything that I had gone through, all everything made sense that day. And if you're a mama, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was just awesome. It was utter peace and utter joy. And I looked at that baby boy and I knew it was going to be he and I against the world. And that my vision for my life, my blueprint that I had created, the, the woman I had dreamed of becoming, I was still going to become her, um, and that story was going to be the same, but the blueprint was going to shift just a little bit to include him. And honestly, I'm extremely glad that it did because being his mom gave me purpose. It gave me a fire and a fuel um, that I knew I was going to get he and I um, out of bags. And I I mean, I hate nothing against bags, but um, I was going to get he and I to a better life and a better future. And so it really fueled me. So anyway, my first job out of college was, uh, you know, a complete dud. Um, and a year into it, I got laid off, um, which was also devastating as a single mom. But again, good. It taught me a lot of really important life lessons. Um, at that time, by the time I got laid off, my son Aiden um, was one years old. And um, also at that time, um, my dad had been diagnosed with uh, stage four lung cancer. So really felt like during that time of my life, my world was falling apart. My dad had always been my safety net. Um, Life was like walking on a tightrope, but I knew if I fell, he would catch me, whether that be emotionally, financially, or otherwise. And here I was, um, laid off, single mom, no income, my hero um, with a terminal cancer diagnosis, and I was at the bottom of the bottom. And also financially speaking, um, my parents were going through a divorce. Um, there was a bankruptcy happening. All that to be said, <laughs> there was nobody coming for help. There was no safety net. Um, and so at that time, I had to get on food stamps. Um, I had to put Aiden and I on our state-funded self-insurance called Sooner Care. And again, it was a really low point in my life. I had to file for unemployment. But again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back. Um, but it was a hard time. I had no idea what I was going to do. But what I did do was something I had never considered before. I took an outside sales position um, that was straight commission. 
And growing up, I'd always thought of sales as like uh, used car salesman or, you know, who would want to do sales? Why would you do sales? That's so cheesy. I didn't go to college for four years to work in sales. Um, but when you're desperate and you have bills to pay and a baby to feed, you'll do just about anything. So there was a company called Tulsa ePages, which sold, sold online yellow page ads. Now, I know most of you might be too young to remember the big yellow books that they used to sell and throw on your doorstep. Um, but at this time, 20 plus years ago, online advertising was this new, fresh, innovative idea. So I started with this company. I had no idea what I was doing. I knew nothing about sales. I knew nothing about advertising uh, or online advertising. Um, but what I did know was that I loved learning. And so um, after I took this job, I went to the library, which also, if you remember, people used to go into libraries. Um, there were these things that were called books on tape or DVD. Um, we didn't have podcast or Spotify or any of the resources that we're using today. Uh, but anyway, I went and checked out every single book on tape I could about sales. Think old school, Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins, you name it. And um, I, on my drive in my car and my beat up old uh, Ford Explorer, I would pop in uh, these CDs and learn all of the cheesy sales techniques I could. And um, what I found during that time was my love of personal development. And I started going out on my sales calls and applying these techniques. And it turned out I was pretty good at it. Um, I remember I could sell one little yellow page ad or one little black and white ad for $99. Or I could sell a full page yellow page ad um, for $1,000. And if I sold the full page ad for a thousand, I would take home $300. And so I just started working the math that I needed, you know, to try and sell at least one full page ad a day per week um, so that I could end the week, you know, with what, $1,500. And, you know, that's what Aiden and I would need to be able to pay rent and pay bills and to get off food stamps. And so anyway, I just hustled my little way out of that situation. And it, I also found out I was having fun, that I loved meeting with other business owners, that I loved meeting with people. Um, and I just made a lot of contacts and a lot of connections. And I just kept on teaching myself more about um, closing skills and overcoming objections and cold calling. Um, and it just really taught me a lot. And I was having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and along the way, I started just falling in love with personal development. And I couldn't get enough of it about, I remember listening to Tony Robbins about, you know, um, just reading, just reading. And thankfully, I love to read. And so I just kept teaching myself everything I could about business, about sales, about finance, about entrepreneurship, about wealth, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a book my son now is reading, um, but just anything I could get my hands on. And so I did well in outside sales, um, and I was making a decent amount of money, um, enough money to provide for Aiden and I to get our first apartment um, and to survive on our own. And I was making contacts and relationships, and enough so that I branched out and started my own little business um, called Consumer Consultants. And um, basically, I offered public relations, marketing, press writing um, to small businesses, small to medium-sized businesses that couldn't afford uh, an in-house marketing or PR department. Um, and quite frankly, in looking back, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Um, but I did have drive and courage and motivation. 
Um, during this time, my dad had passed away. And so I think that led me um, to wanting to try to do something that I knew he would have been proud of as an entrepreneur. And so I did. I researched how to start an EIN. I created a one-page business proposal on the services that I would offer. Um, And I just started calling people and honestly evolving and changing the business plan as I went (laughs) or based on what they needed. I kind of decided, you know, what did Aiden and I need to live, quote unquote, comfortably uh, in a month? And then I backed into how many clients I would need and what I would charge um, accordingly. And I did. I went to vistaprint.com and printed up some of my own business cards and um, off I went. And so that was a really fun venture. And so, you know, my first couple years of my career were all about learning uh, and trying and building and sacrificing from, um, you know, selling copiers to selling yellow page ads to selling my own services um, in, you know, press writing or marketing um, and really networking and just meeting people. That was the other part of my business at Consumer Consultants that I would do on behalf of my clients is go to chamber meetings or go to National Organization of Women business meetings and promote their brand or their businesses. Um, but while I was doing that, I was also creating my own personal brand, which I was somewhat unaware of, but I was just kind of, you know, busy networking, making connections um, within the local community. And what's really cool about that is that, you know, you've probably heard it said that luck happens when preparation meets opportunity. And um, I was out networking one day and at, I think it was a chamber meeting. And one of my former colleagues from ePages approached me. And his name was Robert Renner. He was an executive recruiter. And uh, what's cool is that he and I were would compete for number one and number two sales reps when we were at uh, ePages. And he was probably 15 years my senior, but he was someone I had just a ton of respect for. And I was happy to see him when I ran into him. And he was um, looking to get some interviews set up for uh, this technology company, payroll company is what it was called at the time, not technology company. And he was telling me all about it and selling me on the benefits of this company, high tech, fast growth, um, you know, amazing opportunity. And I just was not interested. I just said, Robert, quite frankly, um, I'm good. You know, with with my own business, I had the flexibility and the work-life balance that I was really looking for. Um, I was making money, not a lot, um, but I was happy. And so Robert asked me again, please, please, would you just go and meet with this company? I think it would be just an excellent fit for you and for them. Told him no again. And then finally, just out of desperation, he was like, will you just do an old friend a favor? I have promised this company five interviews. I've got four. You'd make the fifth. It's 4.30 on a Thursday afternoon. <laughs> just do an old guy a favor. And I was like, you got it. Okay. All right. Fine. But I'm not interested. I'm telling you up front, you know, I am good. But I did. I, I agreed to meet with this company. Um, so I went. I went for the interview and as a cocky, I'll, yeah, I think that's the right word, cocky 20-something, I thought, oh, I'm not interested in working for a payroll company. I have my own business. I'm good. And I went in for the first interview and I met a gentleman that's still a mentor and a leader to me today. And he was just awesome. And he, you know, kind of put me put me through my paces during this interview. Um, 
And I really, I walked out of the interview thinking, God, I, I think I did horrible. I didn't, I didn't want this job, but now I kind of do because it's been taken away from me. Um, but I also walked away thinking, wow, that man was impressive. He is someone that I would want to work for. And surprisingly, I made it past that first interview and he was going to put me on to the second interview, um, which was in Oklahoma City um, with the CEO of this company. And I thought, oh my, look at me. Here I am, you know, going to the big city, meeting with the CEO um, of this big company. And um, I was super excited. And But it took me an hour and a half to get there, driving through the pouring rain and awful weather conditions, but I'm ready. I've got my portfolio and my resume and I now want this job. Now I'm looking to kind of land this opportunity. And so I meet with the CEO and after waiting, I think in the lobby for 45 minutes for the interview after driving through horrible weather. And he takes one look at my resume and he goes, I'm sorry, I don't know how you got in front of me today, um, but we won't need to be talking any further. And I thought, what? Well, excuse me, what, respectfully, what do you mean? And he said, well, I see here on your resume that you're an entrepreneur. I don't hire entrepreneurs. And I said, well, but sir, you are an entrepreneur. I would think that you would have respect for another entrepreneur. And he said, yeah, entrepreneurs don't work. They're never loyal. I, said, I don't know that to be true. Uh, you know, I'm a loyal person. He said, and what does an entrepreneur know about cold calling or about sales? And I'm like, well, I know a lot about cold calling and about sales. I was really successful at my previous uh, sales job that was straight commission. And he said, oh, yeah, well, let's role play. And, um, you know, ring, 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 ring. And, you know, off we went. And he had me role play um, and gave me several objections um, that I had to overcome in the interview. And it was a strange, strange interview. Um, and at the end of it, you know, he looked extremely disappointed and really showing no emotion on his face. And so... I just kind of went into like fuck it mode of like, well, I'm here. I've driven all this way. I don't know who this person thinks that they are, but I'm here to tell you who I am. And so I busted out my portfolio that I had created of all the accomplishment. I mean, all I had like two years of working experience at this point, maybe three, um, but all that I had accomplished and all that I was really proud of and um, just really sold myself because I thought, why not? I'm here. I've made the drive. I put on the suit, done all the things, and I'm just going to go for it. So I did. And I walked out of there certain that <laughs> I was never going to see this man or this company again. Um, and later that afternoon, I got a phone call. I saw that it was from the recruiter. And I was expecting um, my old friend Robert to just tell me, sorry, Stacy, they passed. You just didn't have what they were looking for. Or that the CEO found you just completely brash. Um, but that's not what happened. Actually, um, he wanted to offer me, they wanted to offer me a job. And I was absolutely shocked um, and excited. Um, it was going to be, you know, for $50,000 a year, which <laughs> was, was way more than what I was making at the time with benefits. Um, and I was just, I was excited. Um, what I didn't know at the time, because I thought this company was huge, you know, I'd driven up to this big white building multiple levels, I assumed that this company had that whole building um, and that I had just, you know, really hit it big with this fancy company and this fancy job. Um, what I later learned is that um, I was the 26th employee of this company um, and that I was being hired to start or not start, but work at one of their first branch um, offices in Tulsa, Oklahoma in sales. 
today. They're a publicly traded company, um, you know, valued, I don't even know what the current valuation is, but thousands of employees, um, multiple branch locations all across the U.S. And I got to be a part uh, of the first one in sales. And I was the 26th employee. I don't know what the headcount is today. I think when I left, um, we were at 3,500 perhaps. Um, so anyway, that's how I got my start, which is really cool. Um, and over the course of my career, um, I worked up from sales to operations and then eventually to the chief operating officer is where I landed. Um, so I'm looking forward to telling you more about the next part of the story, which is my journey and my 13 year career, how I started as a little old sales girl in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, and worked my way up the sales corporation over into operations and up to the platform at the New York Stock Exchange when we took the company public. So thanks for joining me for How She Does It. We'll see you next week.